0: Welcome to the Mariners Podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TINOJR20 or tinojr 20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E T H O S M A R I N E R S. Today, we're going to talk about the Mariners sweep of the Oakland Athletics. The Mariners Took games three and four from the Athletics uh, Wednesday and Thursday uh, to take their record to 26 and 24, uh, two games above 500. Um, a lot of fun. These last four games where the Mariners have been really impressive from a pitching standpoint. We're going to dig into the starts from Bryce Miller and Logan Gilbert, talk a little bit about the offense, uh, do a quick deep dive of Gabe Spire the left-handed reliever that the Mariners picked up on waivers from the Royals last November. Uh, And if we have time, we'll get into the upcoming series uh, between the Mariners and the Pirates this weekend. Uh, If we don't have time for that, we'll come back uh, tomorrow morning with a preview of the series, of the last two games of the series. So with that, let's dig into uh, the Mariners' victory on Wednesday night. The matchup was uh, Austin Pruitt, who was a right-handed opener for the A's against Bryce Miller uh Austin Pruitt right-handed pitcher he went one inning uh the the bulk reliever for the A's was uh Ken Waldachuk who was acquired uh the major I believe the major piece in the uh Frankie Montas trade uh, with the Yankees uh last year before the trade deadline Ken Waldachuk from my grades coming in uh fantasy wise was my number five. Uh, starting pitching prospect Uh, he has been pretty horrendous this season coming into this game he I believe he had a 6.85 ERA left-handed starter 6'4 225 uh, throws a pretty lively uh, mid-90s fastball that he's able to locate at least previous years was able to locate up and away from right-handed hitters Really great sweeper right around 81 miles an hour that he was able to back foot and a pretty effective changeup as well. Uh, he did learn the sweeper from the New York Yankees and their minor league organization uh, as they teach uh, the majority of their pitchers. So really this matchup was Bryce Miller against Ken Waldachuk. Uh, the Mariners scored five runs in the bottom of the fourth. That kind of was all the offense they needed. The game ended up uh, 6-1 in that fourth inning. Uh, Cal Raleigh singled on his first pitch to center field. This was his second single against Waldichuk in two pitches, and this is significant because the Mariners uh, believe that uh, Cal—he's a switch hitter, obviously. In fact, Cal Raleigh's better side is the left side. He certainly hits for much more power from the left side. His right-handed swing is a little bit more level. So to see him go two for two. On two fastballs against left-handed pitching is a great sign for Cal moving forward. So he started the inning with the single to center. Uh, Teo Hernandez struck out on a 81 mile an 81-mile-an-hour sweeper that was below the zone. I'm starting to wonder if tail can can hit anything with any kind of uh, wiggle. It's making me a little nervous. Uh, Jose Caballero walked to put runners on first and second with one out. Uh, A.J. Pollock singled to um, load the bases. And then Sam Haggerty, uh, who was starting at first base, uh, singled on a 92-mile-an-hour fastball that was uh, in the middle of the zone but low uh, to left field. Interestingly, uh, Haggerty's hit was uh, 108 miles an hour off the bat, which you don't expect to see from Sam Haggerty. He drove in, two to make the uh, score 2-0. Mariners, J.P. Crawford followed with an RBI single to center, making it 3-0. Julio hit an RBI single off the first pitch, which was 93 miles an hour, middle, middle uh, to right field to make it 4 it 0. That was 102 off the bat. And then uh, Gino walked to load the bases again. Kelnick, who was struggling against, uh, has been struggling against left handed pitching a little bit recently, waved at a 1 2 sweeper for a strikeout. But then Cal Raleigh again um, walked and drove in a run to make it 5 0 Mariners. At that point, Ken Waldachuk was pulled. For Lucas Um Ersig. And uh then Tao popped to shortstop. So that really was the majority of the Mariners' offense in that one inning in the bottom of the fourth. Uh there wasn't there weren't any um extra base hits in that inning, lots of singles, lots of walks. But the Mariners had some good at bats and hit the ball pretty hard. Uh again, that's all the offense they needed because Bryce Miller was. What we've come to expect from Bryce Miller, which is, I think the expectations are unrealistic moving forward, but he hasn't proven us wrong yet. So Bryce Miller went six innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, six Ks. He threw 90 pitches, 61 for strikes, and that took him to a three and one record with the win and a one, one, five uh, earn run average. So how did Bryce Miller do it? Uh, if you follow any sort of fantasy baseball Twitter, you know, everyone's talking about Miller. Everyone's talking about his, his foreseen fastball and the foreseen fastball usage, but they're poking at the fact that he hasn't gotten a ton of whiffs on other pitches. Uh, Bryce has said in interviews, essentially, why should I throw any other pitch if they can't hit my fastball yet? And I think he's right Uh, in this game. He threw 90 pitches total, uh, 73 of them were fastballs, which was uh, forcing fastballs, which is 81% of his pitches. Very rarely do you see a starting pitcher throw uh, 81% fastballs. Uh, you don't often see 60%. So 73 fastballs, eight sliders, which is 9% of his pitches, uh, 7 changeups, which is 8%, and uh, two curveballs. Of those 73 fastballs, uh, he averaged 94.8 on the fastball which was slightly down over his yearly average of 95.1 uh spin rate across all four pitches was pretty much in line it was down just so ever so slightly but negligible with all four pitches uh velo was down a little bit on all four pitches as well i don't this is not a cause of, for concern for me i don't the the velo wasn't uh down More than a mile per hour on any pitch other than his curveball, which it doesn't matter all that much may have even been intentional with the curve. And I think because he was a reliever until his last year in college and hasn't thrown a ton of innings, you know, it's smart for him to not go uh, 100% all the time. I don't know if that's what was going on in this game or if it was, you know, cooler weather in Seattle, but I don't mind that the, the velocity was slightly down and I don't think it was something that is a uh, cause for alarm. He got 13 whiffs on 48 swings, 11 of them on the fastball, two on the slider. Uh, so two of four swings on the slider were whiffs, 11 of 40 on the fastball. That's 13 of 48 for 27% whiff rate. Uh, that whiff rate is below league average, believe it or not, even though uh, he struck out six I think that has uh, in part to do with the fact that he's throwing so many fastballs. I don't think he's expecting uh, swings and misses on the fastball all the time. What he is doing is inducing um, contact for outs, which is uh, plays to the park and plays to the defense. So on the, over the year, or his yearly stats, uh, he's thrown the four-seamer 70.5% of the time. which So he was up about 10% in this start. The average against the four-seam is 108, and the slug is 135. That's absolutely insane with the 24.9% whiff rate. His run value, which is a a metric to judge um, the quality of each pitch, Uh, you want negative run values for your uh, pitcher's pitches and positive run values for hitters against certain pitches, is already negative eight against the uh, four-seam or for the four-seam fastball, which I did not look up but uh, I'm going to assume is is already uh, up there with the league leaders in the four-seam. Uh, the slider, he's thrown about 15% of the time. 071 average against the slider. The one pitch where he's surrendering uh, high average and high slug is the curveball, which he throws 9.3% of the time. It's 364 average with the 455 slug. I do not think that's a sign that the curveball is ineffective. Um, I think it is... Uh, it's a pitch that he hasn't thrown much yet. I, I think it probably needs to get tweaked a little. One thing I did hear, but haven't verified yet on Nino um, you know, uh Rates and Barrels podcast was that Bryce Miller's release points are very different for each pitch. That's something that I do want to dig into because if it is different for each pitch, um, hitters will eventually be able to kind of zero in or potentially zero in on what's coming based on the release point. Uh, that may explain why the curveball ball is, um, is being hit a little bit. I don't know enough yet. Haven't dug into it enough yet. A couple other interesting things with Bryce Miller. Uh, he's 29.5% ground ball rate, which is extremely low for a starting pitcher. And all four of his pitchers have, or pitches have negative run value, meaning all four, um, are uh, positive pitches for him at this point in time. So Bryce Miller's just been uh, uh, unbelievable. I I don't think there is a single person out there who expected him to start his career as he has again this game against the the Oakland Athletics who are admittedly not a very good offense uh and they were playing in a big park and it wasn't super hot out in Seattle. Great uh great environment for a pitcher. Bryce Miller went Six innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, six Ks. Uh, in this game, he was followed by Matt Brash, who went one inning, three hits, one run, earned, no walks, one K. What I want to say about Brash is, you know, you watch his his slider move and his fastball at 99, and you wonder, you know, it looks like a video game uh, slider, and you wonder how the heck does anybody hit Matt Brash, given his stuff? What I'm seeing from Brash, what I've seen from uh, many other right-handed pitchers who throw an effective slider and an effective sweeper is uh, if you're not perfect locating your slider against left-handed hitters as a right-handed pitcher, you are going to get hit. And it does not matter how much movement is on that slider, and it does not matter how hard you're throwing that slider. It's too easy to see. And it's moving into a lot of left handers' uh, happy zones. I saw Shohei Otani throw a sweeper to a left handed hitter and it get hit out for a home run. I think it was against Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. And his sweeper was, was, the numbers on the sweeper were phenomenal. But again, as a left handed hitter, if the pitcher is coming towards your bat or the pitch is coming towards your bat and you can see it and the angle of the sweeper is such that it's, more visible meaning it's coming from way outside and coming inside it's a pitch that can be hit so brash comes in for bryce miller he surrenders a single to jj Bladé on a 90 or 89 mile an hour slider that was middle middle he strikes out uh, ramon laureano on a 99 mile an hour fastball that was up and then he surrenders a single to jace peterson on a middle middle knuckle curve that was 86 miles an hour. So you have two pitches, one double a day, and one to Jace Peterson, both left-handed hitters, that were 89 and 86 miles an hour. But they were located middle-middle. These are pitches they can see. No matter what the movement is, they can see it, and it's landing right in their bat, bat path. To me, those singles are on uh, Matt Brash. Uh Oledmus Diaz comes up and singles on a slider. The the single was really what it was, was a routine grounder to Jose Caballero, and he tried to kind of backhand it quickly, um, and the ball went underneath his glove. In my opinion, that should have been an E5. Uh, Caballero had just moved to third base, and the Mariners had just put Colton Wong at second for defensive purposes, and uh, Caballero, again, I think if you asked him, he would have said that that's a ball that he should have uh, fielded. So Brash ends up giving up uh, a run and three hits. The first two hits, were, I, I believe, are very much Matt Brash's um, responsibility. That third hit, third, the RBI single from Maledness Diaz was not. Uh, Tony Kemp grounded to the pitcher. Uh, Peterson ended up in a pickle between third and home uh, for the out, and then Drew Ruiz fouled out to, to uh, first. Matt Brash I think the Mariners understand that Brash struggles against left-handed hitters. I have no or I have no worries about Brash against righties. His slider is is so nasty. It's got to be in my opinion just from a visual standpoint a a top 10 pitch in the major leagues the starters and relievers. He throws it up to 90 91. Its movement is cartoon like. But like I said if you're throwing it to left-handers, it can get hit. The fastball is electric, getting up to 100 miles an hour. That's a pitch you can use against both lefties and righties. What he really needs is a changeup or a splitter, something that is going to get left-handers uh, out because while you know the fastball is, is a very effective pitch, he needs a second pitch, and I don't believe it's the slider or the curveball unless he can consistently back foot it. One mistake with the slider, he's going to surrender hits. He's going to surrender home runs. I'd like to see the Mariners keep him in more of a mop-up role right now, as opposed to that high leverage bulk uh, relief role. They're getting tremendous uh, uh, pitching from Justin Topa right now in that eighth inning. I don't believe Brash needs to be that guy. Trevor Gott's been okay in that middle relief role, but until Brash is able to, Locate that breaking ball against left-handers better, or come up with something else that's going to keep them off the fastball. I don't want to see him in leverage situations. I also think if Andres Munoz is is close or will be back soon, Brash in some ways is a luxury because Munoz can take that multi-inning or you know four-batter uh, right-handed reliever role leverage role away from Brash and let Brash kind of work his his uh, uh, work the kinks out from his performance right now. So, again, the Mariners win 6-1. Really, this was about about Bryce Miller and his performance. Uh, They look good. This was the third game in a row that the Mariners got six innings and two runs or less from their starting pitcher. And game one, they got six innings from uh, Luis Castillo, no runs. Game two, Marco Gonzalez, six innings, two runs. Game three, Bryce Miller, six innings, two runs. Which leads us to Thursday's game with Logan Gilbert on the mound. Uh, The Mariners come into this game 25-24. and The Athletics threw left-handed pitcher J.P. Sears against the Mariners. Sears was acquired by the Athletics in the same trade, uh, the same Frankie Montas trade that uh, Ken Waldachuk came over winners end up winning this 3-2. Oakland took a 2-0 lead in the first inning. Uh, Seth Brown hit a two-run homer off of Logan Gilbert on a knuckle curve. That was uh, located middle-middle. It was 81 miles an hour. Um, the previous pitch, Logan Gilbert had thrown a slider middle-middle. I just The more I do this and the more I chart pitches, the more you realize that location is so incredibly important. And if you are able to get away with the pitch down the middle, consider yourself lucky. Uh, both Gilbert and um, Brash, as spoken about earlier, are have incredible stuff. And I, I think that really any major league hitter worth their salt can hit a pitch that's located middle middle, no matter what the velocity and no matter what the uh, movement. So Seth Brown hits a two run home run makes a score two nothing A's bottom of the first Ty France comes up and promptly hit a, an 83 mile an hour sweeper that was lowing in for a home run uh, to left field. It was 105 miles an hour or yeah 105 miles an hour off the bat. It traveled 368 feet or 378 feet. Excuse me. Uh, Mariners down to one Julio singled on a 94 mile an hour, middle, middle, uh, was slightly high to right field. And then, uh, Jared Kelnick flew out to left. Why did I bring out the fl- or bring up the fly out? Uh Julio I think thought that the ball was going to drop um, and ended up getting doubled up going back to first base. That's not something we typically see from him or the Mariners. Uh from what I could see, I think it was a pretty decent bet that um that it was going to drop. I don't completely blame Julio for that, but this is the second or third time we've seen him make what could potentially be considered a a mistake or a bit of a brain fart. You know, the other one was when he missed the cutoff man. And as we all know, Scott service uh, lit into him in the post game because of it. So fourth inning, uh, Logan Gilbert to Brent Rooker, who's been their most effective hitter this year. Uh, right-handed hitter went foreseen fastball 96 miles an hour that Rooker fouled off Uh, knuckle curve low and away of 79 miles an hour for a swinging strike. And then uh, the nastiest splitter 86 miles an hour, that was looked like a low strike coming in and just dove, absolutely dove into the dirt for swinging strike three. This sequence was to me demonstrates the the development and maturity of Logan Gilbert as a pitcher. When he first came up, you know, he threw, we all knew that he had an elite fastball, you know, in large part because of uh, the elite extension on the fastball. And while the fastball has, is still very effective, it's not quite as elite as it was when he first came up. The His learning to pitch and his ability to use some off-speed has been really fun to watch uh the knuckle curve that he threw low and away you know he's beginning to be able to locate that knuckle curve much better than i think he did in previous years and the splitter was a pitch that we saw him working on in um in the off season and while he doesn't throw it very often it's just a, a, an amazing pitch to watch so the splitter this season he's thrown uh 13.4% of the time, and he's got a 37.1% whiff rate on it, and, and hitters are, are batters are hitting 114 against it. In this game, he threw seven splitters, which was 9% of his pitches, and the average velocity on the splitter today, excuse me, he threw 17 splitters 22% of the time. The average velocity today on the splitter was 86.4. Uh, so he's throwing it a little harder, but the spin on the splitter – over the course of or this season has averaged only 1,009 RPMs, which is, or excuse me, in this game was 1,009 RPMs, and for the season, averages 915. Very rarely do you see a three-digit uh, RPM number from a pitch. So the splitter is just functioning almost like a knuckleball in that there's very little spin, and it's just absolutely diving when it gets to the zone. It's a fun pitch to watch. I... I don't know if he is using it uh, sporadically because he doesn't have a great feel for it yet, or if it's something that he wants to break out down the road, but it's been a a, a amazing pitch for Logan Gilbert thus far. Again, in this game, 36 fastballs, 17 sliders, 17 splitters and seven knuckle curves. And he got uh, 14 whiffs on 47 swings with those four pitches Five of the whiffs were on 11 swings on the splitter. So 45% whiff rate on the splitter in this game. Logan is has been lights out. Uh, he retired 22 of the last 23 batters he faced. So after the Seth Brown two-run home run in the first inning, the only other hit he surrendered, the only other batter that was able to get on base was Ryan Nota single in the sixth. And that was on a, a splitter that he left up middle-middle on a 2-2 two, two count. I don't know what else to say about Logan Gilbert right now, other than he's been a joy to watch mature and get to this point where he's, he really is an artist on the mound. I don't think he is. Uh, locating. I really don't think he locates very well. I didn't take, I didn't look up uh, his location plus on fan graphs. So I can do that real quickly here, but to me, what it looks like, and I've spoken about this before, is that it looks like he's uh, attempting to um, he's attempting to throw the ball somewhere over the plate and let the movement do the work. And while I, I'd like to see him locate a little bit better, it's very hard to be critical of um, of Logan Gilbert and the results thus far this season. This season he's now after this start 3 and 2 with a 3.60 ERA, a 0. .92 WHIP, 69 strikeouts in 60 innings and he's provided the Mariners with six quality starts in 10 starts. So when I look at the Mariners starters, uh Logan Gilbert's location plus overall is a 100 or 102. Uh he's Third, with Luis Castillo has a 103 location plus, and George Kirby 111 location plus. What location plus does as a metric is basically 100 is the average, or is the theoretical average, and anything above 100 is means that you're locating the ball better than average, and anything below is that you have subpar location. So, Gilbert's fastball is 104. Uh, his splitter location plus is a 102. His slider is a 101, and his knuckle curve is a 99. So, according to Eno Saris's, uh pitch modeling on fan graphs, Logan Gilbert's ability to locate is um, is good. It's not elite, but uh, that coupled with a 100 stuff rating is makes him a 102 pitching plus. Uh, for reference, Luis Castillo is a 103 and, and George Kirby is a 109. Um so Gilbert ends up going 8 innings surrendering 3 hits, 2 runs, 2 earned, no walks and 6 Ks. Again, they he allowed uh only one base runner in the last 23 batters that he faced. Uh only throwing only throwing 74 pitches. You would have expected uh excuse me, 77 pitches. You would have expected Logan Gilbert to finish out the ninth inning. The Mariners brought in Paul Seawald for the save, and he he struck out two, didn't surrender a, a base runner, and, and finished that inning for his 11th save. You know, when I look at this, you know, of course, you see that he throws 77 pitches, and you think to yourself, you know, Logan Gilbert could have gone the complete game. But what does that do for uh, Gilbert, and what does that do for the team? Is he a pitcher who's lacking confidence and would gain confidence from pitching the complete game? I, I don't believe so. I think he's doing just fine. It puts a one in the complete game column uh, on his baseball card. And uh really that's about it. I didn't look at his pitches per inning, but you know, it's you want to look at how much how many kind of high-leverage pitches did he throw, because in theory, high-leverage pitches or innings put more strain on the arm per pitch. I also just think it's a long season, right? And Logan Gilbert has already thrown uh 60 innings this or thir- 60 innings this season, and the Mariners have plans on being in the playoffs. And if that's the case, why not give the ninth inning to another pitcher, congratulate him on eight on a great eight inning start, and and move on. I don't think there's any need um to stretch Gilbert out to that ninth inning just to be able to say that uh he threw a complete game. The other thing is, you know, he it was a 3-2 game and one pitch in, in location is, is the really the first thing to go as a pitcher fatigues. And so Logan Gilbert leaves one pitch up to the wrong hitter and it's a tie game. So bringing in Seawald, who's been highly effective the last couple of years, I have no qualms with it. In fact, I think I probably would have had more of an issue if Logan Gilbert was left in the game. Uh, to pitch the night. So again, Mariners sweep the four game series with the Oakland Athletics, uh, moved to 26 and 24, uh, two and a half games out of the wild card, five and a half games uh, out of first place, Texas Rangers. I should mention that Ty France had another home run in this game uh, to take uh, in the bottom of the sixth. The funny thing with Ty Francis' home run, so it was on a 96 mile an hour fast porcing fastball and he hit it out to left field again. It was 99 3 off the bat, and it uh tied the game at 2-2. What I found again, what I found interesting with uh this home run was that the expected expected batting average uh according to baseball savant on this hit ball was uh 210. So it was a bit lucky to hit that one out. Uh, but we'll take it. You know, it's Mariners don't often, I feel like, get lucky in those kinds of situations, uh, given the size of the park. And so to, to get a home run like that on a expected batting average of 210 was uh I think Mariners got a little bit lucky, but rather be lucky than than uh good. Tied the game at two two. Logan came out um and pitched the eighth, as I said, top of the eighth. Uh, Bottom of the eighth, Jose Caballero uh, walked to lead off. Ty France popped out to short, uh, but the shortstop, Nick Allen, who's kind of a hit over field shortstop, purposefully dropped the pop-up to force Jose Caballero at second and make Ty France the runner, uh, assuming that Ty France is a slower runner. Makes sense to me. Uh, Garrett Acton came in to relief. He, uh, kind of a sinker slider, a high 90s pitcher, and with two outs, uh, Julio doubled to right center field on the first pitch. It was uh, located in the middle of the zone and, and up, a 96-mile-an-hour four-seam fastballs, 101 off the bat. Uh, they walked Jared Kelnick uh, to load the bases, and uh, Eugenio Suarez followed with the bases-loaded walk to drive in the run and take a 3-2 lead. After that, that's when Seawald came in, struck out two. Uh, so again, the Mariners four-game sweep of the Oakland Athletics. I think a two-two split we would have, or the Mariners would have been uh probably less than satisfied. Uh winning three out of four would have been taking the series, would have been a good result. But sweeping the series against the A's was was more than you know, more than you can ask for. Uh, Carried by the the starting pitching. Fun series to watch. I think this is what we can come to expect from Mariners baseball in 2023. It's uh, dynamite starting pitching. uh, Clutch offensive performances, you know, from Julio, from Jared Kelnick, from, you know, in in this last game, Ty France. Seeing uh, J.P. Crawford get on at the top of the lineup. And then really hoping for anything from, uh, the bottom third or the bottom half of the lineup, uh, tail Hernandez did hit, um, the one home run in the third game. And I I think he's such a streaky hitter that we can put him in that conversation as well as to being able to carry the Mariners at times, but it looks like the, the recipe this season is going to be leaning on that starting pitching, playing good defense, not making mistakes and hoping for uh timely home runs and, and uh, being able to get on base from the offense. So this weekend, the Mariners are playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. I actually am driving from Walla Walla to uh, to Seattle, and I'll be able to watch uh, the Sunday game, which is uh, Luis Ortiz is pitching for Pittsburgh Pirates. I do have him on my, uh, my home fantasy league team, but I will be uh, interested to see how the Mariners uh, Face off with Luis Ortiz. This first game t- tonight, Friday night, is a doozy. It's Mitch Keller against George Kirby. Uh, Mitch Keller is five and three with a two six two ERA. Or excuse me, George Kirby is five and three with the two six two ERA. We have talked about him quite a bit. To me, he's an AL Cy Young candidate at this point. And Mitch Keller is five and one with the two four four. Keller has really struggled the first couple of years with the Pirates. Big arm, I think first-round pick uh, a number of years ago, but I think he was a product of some of the transition in uh, pitching philosophy with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They used to be a team that was a proponent of, uh, you know, throwing sinker slider, and they wanted their pitchers to throw lots and lots of of two-seam slider or two-seam fastballs. And it, you know, is well documented that when Garrett Cole left, the Pirates and went to the Astros and the Astros tweaked his repertoire and had him throw a four seam and slider more than two seam slider. Garrett Cole took off and won a Cy Young. I think the same thing can be said for Keller. He was taught that two seam in the minor leagues. And since then he's really been tweaking his arsenal each year. And he's come out, you know, throwing 98 at times. And this is the first year where he's really put together his repertoire. He's got a a dynamite, low nineties cutter. Uh, fastball, slider, uh, changeup, but again five and one with the two four four. It's going to be a uh, tough go for the Mariners' offense against Mitch Keller, but the Pirates have to deal with uh, George Kirby as well. On Saturday, uh, we've got Ronzi Contreras against Luis Castillo. Uh, Contreras came over uh, to the Pirate or to the Pirates from the Yankees. He is, you know, I think at his peak he would be a middle of the rotation starter. He throws mid to high 90s, really nice slider as well. Uh, So a good arm for the Mariners to face. He's been up and down um, as a young pitcher. We'll see what he can do on Saturday. He's facing Luis Castillo coming off that six inning um, start, surrendering no runs. And then the Sunday matchup that I'll be at is Luis Ortiz against Marco Gonzalez. Uh, Ortiz is a back end top 100 uh, prospect For the Pirates, probably he and Bubba Chandler, maybe Mike Burroughs, are the three best arms in that Pittsburgh uh, minor league organization. He throws very hard. Um, He throws mid or high 90s, can touch triple digits. Has, I'd say his slider is his best pitch. Um, I'd give a plus grade to that, probably a, a 60 grade, even touching 65 grade slider. Uh, throws a very heavy ball, um, two seam action. Uh, so the Mariners are gonna, gonna have a, I wouldn't say a tough go against Ortiz. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go seven innings and really shut the Mariners down. His stuff is that good, but he is young and he is erratic. And so, uh, he could also walk the park. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Again, I'm going to be there driving over from Walla Walla, Eastern Washington, super excited to be at my first Mariners game of the year. Uh, it's just, I don't know, Mariners baseball feels like it's really picking up and and uh, winning these four games against the, the Oakland Athletics is is the beginning of that. So we'll come back, uh, I believe, tomorrow morning and preview the Saturday and Sunday game and talk a little bit about this Kirby Keller matchup tonight. Thanks for joining us. This was the Ethos Mariners podcast with Tino Ganasius. Again, you can find the podcast at the podcast twitter page at ethos mariners and my twitter is tinojr20 appreciate it thanks for listening you guys talk to you soon peace